We all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. My friends, welcome to the SightShift podcast. For the second time in this many, many years, we're doing some interviews and I get to introduce you to people that I admire and value and have been impacted by. So Jeff Baker, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you. Uh, Chris, thanks for having me. And likewise, you've been a great influence too. So it's a win-win. Man, a privilege for sure. So just to give people some context and give them a little bit of understanding, tell us what you're doing. Uh, what you lead, and uh, I'd love to hear just like a, a high-low over what you've seen happen from, you know, these small beginnings to a big vision. And I'll ask some specific questions, so don't worry about any details you may want to remember. Sure. So in current date, today I am the president of Noble International. We are an Aptar company, which essentially means we uh, sold our business and really found a big brother in Aptar three years ago. Although my wife and I started our business in 1994, and we evolved dramatically. I mean, we started as a promotional product company. I remember screen printing T-shirts in our garage back in the mid '90s. So it's you know to evolve to a really a healthcare-focused medical technology-based company that focuses on patient outcomes and how to help patients better understand their therapies, how to, to properly onboard a patient to a therapy specifically with device-related medicament delivery systems, EpiPens, naloxone, all sorts of different device-related medications that we support. But ultimately, you know, I'm just blessed and fortunate to lead an incredible group of people that we've been able to build over the years that we have a shared passion with. And We've been able to share and work on our culture together. And mm. fortunately, we have a culture that really helps us thrive. Yeah. And I've been able to witness it, you know, up at a front row seat. And it's been such a cool thing to witness. Now, I got to come in after you had already stepped into this reinvention. And I want people to really grasp the power of this story because, you know, oh, overnight success. Yeah. 20, you know, two plus four, six, eight, eight years. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> there's, it's, it's, you're, you're painting the picture so well. I, I can see the tenacity and resilience that we're printing these t-shirts and, and you saw the industry changing that you were serving. And it, it's one of the more inspirational stories for me because you've shifted into this medical devices and now providing the services and the onboarding. So to emotionalize this for people, for anybody that's listening you know, you think about these devices now we use for medicine. You mentioned EpiPen. This is one of been the things that's captured my heart about y'all's mission because we have a child that carries those in our house, right? And what a critical component it is when people are stressed and overwhelmed. So I would imagine developing these kind of devices, being on the forefront of medical technology like that, 
you know, it's just easy. You develop these devices. There's nothing. Yeah, anyone hard. can do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's nothing hard about reducing the complexity of that into a simple experience for the patient. Um, how, what would you say has been the thing that has served you the most to stay with it like that, to go through these iterations, to be tenacious, to see these evolutions occur? You know, it's, it's interesting because over 28 years, which is just, you know, a small, I shouldn't say a small, but fairly large chapter in my life, you know, we don't have the answers, you know, we, we knew or we had an idea of what we wanted to accomplish. I think that applies to any any businessman in any industry. We were fortunate to we recognized early on that in our business that we wanted we didn't want to be like everybody else. We wanted to have a higher value business. We wanted to feel like we had a business that had a significant impact. And over the years of evolution, we've we've been able to get there. But it's it's funny because it's easier to reflect back and this is how it's happened because when you're in the moment, like I know where we want to be five years from now, but I don't really know how we're going to get there. Exactly. I have an idea on how we're going to get there. We're going to fail in those ideas. I think the key is, you know, having some understanding of where you'd be, where you want to be, where you want your team and through the wisdom and through the inputs of others. You know, when you think about, you know, diversifying your inputs, the more inputs you can get into your decision-making process. And that's even deciding where you want to be five years from now, the more inputs you get, I think the more clarity you get, and quite frankly, the more engagement you get with other people. And that's what this journey is really all about. It's individualizing yourself and the, the engagements and crossroads you have with all these other individuals, whether they're a vendor, whether they're an employee, no matter where they are in the org chart, you know, you have an opportunity as a person to have an impact on them. And I think that's one of the things that really, for me, that resonated when, Chris, when you and I first started talking and I first started learning a little bit more about site shift, um, we tend to make things really complex. And when you think about the health, healthcare system, it's very complex. But the more simplification we can add to our lives and even how we engage with others and how we look at problems, the answers are oftentimes right in front of our face. Um, a lot of the inventions and patents and things that we have to us, it was obvious because we were just obviously we put ourselves in a situation where we had a lot more variation maybe in our views and perspectives. And we incorporated that. And I just did it out of, diversity, hey, we need to have more. We actually took that information and placed value on it, whether we didn't see the value or not. And we put it into this process of how do we take all these different views and challenges and how do we simplify this? And it can be a lot easier than what we tend to think, but it really just starts with engaging people yeah. and understanding people. Uh, something I've observed, I'd love to hear how you perceive yourself this way. You know, for me, I get to be up close and personal with leaders throughout the week. It's, it's just such a sacred honor. I love it. And us having experienced that for like seven or eight years, I would say one of your strengths I've witnessed is you've adjusted how much you're filling the space with your power or your presence or your personality to let other oxygen get into the room, right? And I think I see so many leaders 
the more pressure they feel, the more they overfill. The, the more they do. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I've observed you like, you know, not take your foot off the gas in terms of vision or passion or strategy, but take your foot off the gas in terms of how much does Jeff Baker need to be in this? And I've seen it in a graduated way continue to decrease as the company has continued to flourish. Are you aware that that's happening? And if so, what helps you live that out so well? Yeah, I appreciate your confidence in me living it out so well. I'm a human, so we certainly, we try <laughs> to live it out. And, and it's, it's interesting too, because there's seasons, right? So I just talked a little bit about, you know, how the journey is really the consolidation of all the engagements and crossroads we have with those in our lives. And I remember, you know, when we first started working together, I was in that leadership season where I was, I was the teacher. I was, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Here's our plan. And, you know, I would, I would engage the team and they'd participate. But at the end of the day, you know, I was, I was kind of road mapping how we needed to do this. And you taught and SightShift taught me, you know, how to create that vacuum, how to step back and allow people to grow. And it just started simply with holding my tongue in meetings and seeing if other people would ask or challenge in the conversation in that particular meeting objective with the same perspective that I would have, right? And then in that moment where if that didn't occur, instead of me coming out, it's almost from, this is how we're going to do it to, hey, challenge the team. How, how do you think we should do it? And then let them attempt that. It may work, it may not. That's where then you gotta, you gotta become a culture that accepts failure. We talk about bike wrecks versus car wrecks. There's a lot of different shifts and a lot of different seasons that I've learned over the years on how to engage from articulating how we're going to do it to stepping back and seeing if anybody else is going to lean in and fill that void. And then if you don't have any takers, how do they engage the team to challenge them to start? Because sometimes you need a little bit of a kickstart. You know, it's not everybody's just willing to participate actively in a, in a meeting. So I feel like I'm in a season now where, you know, when you get to a point where you've got your team the more void you leave for the team to grow into, the more the team just grows. Hmm. And now you you get into a phase, and I feel like I'm in a season now where now I'm trying to find myself because the team has outgrown the space that was voided from that I created, right? So now that mm -hmm. the team is is outgrowing that pace, you know, I'm kind of in a season now. Where do I bring value? So I think my fear might be changing a little bit too in the new season because I don't have as much clarity, you know, where, where I'm supposed to be as a leader, you know, casting. I mean, it's great to be able to cast vision and inspire and teach and coach. And maybe that's it, but it's so different. When your team really grows um, in a very healthy way and matures, just be prepared you got to find kind of your new, your new spot, your new place. That's where I'm at now. 
when you mm-hmm. have a great team and a great family and a great culture, maintaining it, you know, pretty easy. You just got to hold the team accountable, but you got to kind of find, you know, what's the, I'm looking for my new thing. Yeah. What captures the next horizon uh, of you? Yeah. What's, yeah. Where's, where's my leadership going to, where's this going to take me now? And yeah. uh, it's exciting. Yeah. I love it. I think people need to really grasp not only the specifics of your story, but the cycle of it. Cause there's specifics to your story, but the cycle is true over and over. If people will live this way, they start to not overfill the space. Others are growing and developing. They're guiding and nurturing it. And as they move through these phases, then yeah, it does naturally happen that you're like, okay, I'm not as critical here. And you were talking about the fear quotient. For those that are listening, they know that we do identity fear work. They may not know we have this tool now, identity fear quotient that measures this. And we start to see that shift because the circumstance shifts and we go, okay, well, now there's a new thing in me that is showing up, new desire, new struggle, new insecurity, and all that's good. It's all growth. It's all material in the garden that is shaping the next chapter of Jeff Baker's mission. And I found that just inspiring. So thank you for the vulnerability on that. I want to anchor people though, that are listening in the specifics of your story, because you know you start out and you're in this place where really you could be disrupted by the market changing and competition when you're in the product development space for pharmaceuticals. And as you shifted into medical technology and saw this growth occur and really become a standout story to nurture it into a company that then was able to sell to this big brother and and see a massive investment on your time and effort and energy return back to you, it's not like you just you know, stepped into this and it all just happened. As so often you see on the cover of business magazines, you've done it in the context of the life challenges that we all face, the industry changes. And I think this is what's really interesting too. Your own brother is in the company with you. And I know that that adds so much value, but it also adds a unique challenge. So how have you navigated what I think takes so many leaders down, and that's the insecurity of their identity, their ego, that they've got to be the one to have the answers, especially with your brother. For those that might be listening that have a family member involved at the highest levels of the company, what would you look back on and go, man, I'm so glad we did that, or I wish we would have done this more? Yeah, it's it's definitely, it added a lot of complexities. You know, there was a period in time where, I was the middleman between even my wife and my brother. So it wasn't just yeah. being in business with my brother. And for whatever reason in that chapter, they didn't agree on everything. Actually, they agreed rarely on anything. They usually had opposing. <laughs> um, so I kind of yeah, I played the mediator for a long time, but there's uniqueness to working with family. I mean, Craig is one of my best friends and it's just been an honor to work together. And, you know, we never thought, it would end up like this, but so glad that it did. And we're very different people, you know, different leadership styles. The one thing that we're really hardworking. So, I mean, I knew that, that our efforts together would produce, but it's the type of effort and it's the journey that really matters the most. It's not necessarily the results. And fortunately, you know, we were able to agree on, you know, 80% of the things that really had a significant impact on our success and our growth. And, you know, unfortunately, we did stun our own growth. 
because we avoided difficult conversations a lot of times for years. I think that if, if some of those topics would have been more critical, um, I'm not sure we have, would have avoided them. Once we started getting into site shift and having a platform, you know, too, that helped us better understand ourselves and kind of internalize and, and recognize our own identities and how that's reflected and recognizing other people's, I think, you know, creating that glossary of terms that's uniform that we can all have real conversations about that really helped out uh, my brother and I as well. Oh, wow. um, being able to communicate things in an effective way. But don't get me wrong, we still had plenty of topics that we chose not to discuss or yeah. really make decisions on. And that was that was hard. And that was hard on our team. Honestly, I, and Chris, you saw this, you know, that challenge that we, that Craig and I shared where we respected each other at that time, our perception was we love each other so much as brothers. We're just not going to get into some of these discussions or conversations because it doesn't, we just didn't want to go down that path. But the decision not to have those conversations made it definitely more challenging on our team. In many cases, they probably felt like they had two bosses and, you know, didn't know which one they should try to please and which one was right and which one was a priority. And although it was easy for, it was more convenient for Craig and I just to let them deal with it. It wasn't good leadership at the time, you know, and, and so it's family makes it challenging. It definitely makes mm -hmm. it more complex. You just got to be willing to grow and recognize, yeah. you know, where we're weak and where our faults are. And there's a level of acceptance that I think at least our culture was so good in so many other ways. If that's all they had to deal with, then it was still a great place to, to <laughs> work and grow. And we had, we're very passionate. So we, you know, we were able to grow out of it. And I think, you know, Craig and I, um, you know, definitely been able to grow out of that too and learn from it. But it's, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great way for people to listen to that and get permission to be where they are with it in their own journeys. So many have family involved. Oh, so, you know, I'm picturing you, you know, getting this dream, starting out, being this entrepreneur. Uh, I've found for a lot of people, entrepreneurialism it may not have been fully awakened, but it was kind of always there a little bit in different ways in their lives. They were pretty resourceful. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm guessing that's true about you. And the bigger question I would want to ask would be, was there a point where you really like had a light bulb go on for growth and self-development and who you are is going to impact so much of the company? Or was that kind of just always with you? Maybe environment, nature, a part of how you were raised? You know, I think a lot of what is taught, I am familiar with. You know, just, you know, I dropped out of a junior college, which I do believe now takes special talent to be able to drop out of a junior college <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't serious, but I always worked. I, you know, we had a very hardworking family, really didn't have any means um, at a younger age. So, you know, we sacrifice sports, you know, in our high school years to work and, and earn a living. And um, I think that drive to work for something greater than that. And, you know, at a young age, it definitely started kind of 
with material stuff because it's stuff that we didn't have, you know, growing up. We wanted anything we had to have it. I think, I think that drive to do better has really been a great benefit and asset for, for Craig and I and for Haley. Haley's the same way. When we think back though about the skills for me, when I left the formal education space and in college and stuff, I was in door to door sales, you know, mm-hmm. so for three and a half years, you know, I probably talked to 150 to 200 people face to face every day. Mm. And, you know, with a purpose, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to generate revenue, trying to make a sale or trying to hire salespeople to join this door to door sales company, you know, and that process really taught me a lot, um, how to understand people. But I think what's missing for me, what was missing was a platform that can be used to teach and can be used to bring a team together and to keep it real. And that's one of the things that I really, really enjoyed that I, about SightShift, Chris, and about what you you teach. It's, it resonates well with people and to have, you know, to have a platform that allows us to, you communicate in a way where everybody, for the most part, understands and on the same terms. We're aligned with the glossary of terms, if you will. I think it just helps us better communicate and have conversations. The hardest part, I think, is facilitating real conversations within your organization. Conversations that include the empathy that's needed at that time, the accountability that's needed at the time, the encouragement that's needed at that time in conversation. You know, just getting everybody in a place where there's at least clarity in how we speak and what things mean goes a long ways for progressing the growth of our team and having those effective engagements with each other. I love it. I mean, so you just, you took us from the gritty reality of door sales. No, I love it. This is like everything. It's what I've seen you do so many times. And then you take it all the way to this values-based big decision, you know, that you're going to have this kind of healthy culture. And even the terms you're using describe a whole culture. You know, it's a culture where you're giving direction and you're listening. And you see all of the in-fad leadership writings just swing to whatever extreme, you know, is out of balance in the culture at large. And that picture that you're painting there, you've mentioned this and you're being so generous with it. I appreciate it a ton. You personally went through our core process, figure that shift out. Uh, We'll talk just a little bit about what we did with your team and company too. But for you personally, what is like still the biggest takeaway, the thing that lives with you the most about that process? You know, how does it renew or help Jeff Baker in a day-to-day process? You know, that process, I think for me, it helped me recognize that I'm pretty good at this stuff and work. You know, I felt like this is where I was thriving at the work environment and applying leadership skills, expanding my leadership skills. Honestly, I really revealed the gap or the lack of performance on the personal side of my life, right? So, you know, to facilitate and participate in the growth of a, I mean, we made 5,000 and 500 lists, I think we made it eight or nine years, you know, in 
like a dozen years in, in part of our growth phase. And, you know, Noble itself would be seen as a highly successful organization. But when you really cook it down to relationships, I recognized that I was pretty good on the business side, but I need to be better at home. And it really challenged me to be more intentional to applying the leadership and growth you know, activities or methodology, if you will, it really challenged me to, to apply that same effort um, to my home, to my children, to my wife, friends, family, um, to really focus on that. Because it's easy, it's so easy to get distracted and caught up in, you know, that entrepreneurial side and generating revenue and a great company culture and to see the impact that we can have. But, you know, it's not worth it if you have to sacrifice the other stuff in your life. And that's, not the intent. So it really grounded me and helped me focus more on the personal side. Wow. That's so meaningful. I mean, I feel like that's the quote to pull out here that we could say to the world, like it's not worth it to sacrifice and miss the big picture. Oftentimes for years when the kids were little, you know, I'd be coming in the front door and, and I'd have a few meditations I would go through when I'd put the car in park. And, you know, I'm the big idea was, Hey, Regardless of what's happened in the previous three quarters, the game is won and lost by the fourth quarter. So what happens the rest of the evening is whether or not you win the game. And it really would help me like shift states and center. I think there's so much that's happening right now where you feel like generally at large, people can be tired, burn out, frazzled at the edges, feeling overwhelmed by kind of like moving from one crisis to the next in the news. What for you would be a message you would want to share with leaders to encourage them and something they would take away and, and be uplifted by? You know, it's, I think the most common theme that I have for any leader is your primary responsibility is on your company culture. And mm -hmm. It's so, so important to have a culture that allows vulnerabilities to be talked about, that allows, you know, people to be people, that allows for failure, but has, you know, accountability and empathy integrated into it. You know, it's something that I talk about a lot. So I think the most encouraging thing I would give to leaders is, you know, ensure that you have your core values in place. Ensure you've got a good mission and vision in place. But more importantly, you got to align with what you say with your actions. Mm. You know, a, a culture is made and sustained um, on activity and on actions, not just on what we say. It's easy to talk. You just got to live it out. And, and I think the more you know, we've been able to see that, so like for the last 10 years, that's been my main goal. It's it's culture, and you know, when you have the right culture in place, it's going to attract the right people. You're going to have you're going to have the strategy. You're going to have the financial people. You're going to have everybody mm -hmm. that's thriving. And, and so, when you have the right culture in place, you can have a culture where people are going to they're going to feel fear. Everybody's going to have fear of something, mm -hmm. but to be in a culture where you can you don't have to be afraid to talk about it. 
when you're afraid of something and you have a chance to talk to somebody about it and you get different perspectives and different views, guess what happens? All of a sudden, you're not quite as afraid anymore. Number one, because you realize you're probably not alone. <laughs> a lot of people think you're alone. Right? There's, there's a whole slew of reasons why having a culture that embraces our differences, embraces our vulnerabilities, um, allows us to be who we are, but also holds us accountable to who we need to be for the organization to be successful. This is so important. So no matter what goes on out there, and I've said this for years, and I can tell you I mean, just multiple times when even back in the mid to late 90s, when Haley and I and Craig would sit around and look at you know, our concerns and the choices and different paths that we could take in business. And, you know, at every one of those decisions could have been a failure. Um, but we, we recognize the importance of having the conversations that we're having and envisioning what we wanted the company to be. Mm. And all we could do is our best to live that out, what we mm. think the company would be. And we weren't perfect either, but to live that out and try to create a culture again that, that people could thrive in that would want to be a part of it. And then we're fortunate to have, you know, some business opportunities that instill a little bit extra purpose in what we do. So being able to, to help patients um, reduce their anxiety and self-medicating and, and better understanding their disease and understanding their therapies and the benefits of that and helping transfer knowledge and helping, again, helping patients get better. You know, that adds to another whole nother level of passion and purpose to our team. But I'd encourage you as a leader um, to focus on your culture. And focus on your culture means you need to talk about it and you need to live it. You need to be willing as a leader to give examples of vulnerability to your team. You can't expect them to be vulnerable if you're not willing to be vulnerable yourself. Wow. Yeah, right on. They're going to follow your lead all the way. You know, I feel like it, it's so beautiful to hear the validation and the permission giving that it's all of it. You know, people are going to feel these things at work and we don't have to be afraid of it and we can lead the way with this. What's cool for me is the vulnerability I've been able to be in with you because, you know, for people that are listening, they may or may not know this, but you know, we've kind of grown up with you, right? Mm -hmm. And so now I look at like a year and it's normal for me. Most of my time tends to be coaching CEOs from zero to hundred million in that range and then some Fortune 100 work. And it's wild. And what's given me a lot of like peace and permission is to see like in athletics, so many times the coaches that will help athletes achieve something that that specific coach hasn't, right? Like Tom Brady's coach hasn't won multiple Super Bowls, you know, his mindset coach is whatever coach. And what's happened as a result of you living that out, even with me, we've been able to mature and grow, you know, from a company stage, almost just a little bit of behind where you guys are as far as product development. It's awesome to see where you guys have come from too. And I'm, I'm super proud to see the growth that you've been able to sustain. And, and I think too, if, you know, if I were to flip the podcast, how big is culture play into that for you guys? <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, props to you flipping the podcast. <laughs> I'm not surprised you did that. That's beautiful. <laughs> I welcome it. I, I think you may be the first one of this set of interviews I've been doing recently to do that. 
But yeah, it's everything. I mean, to go to a place now where we had our first like team planning day with the team and, you know, you invest to get everybody there and to not have it all driven by my energy, my effort, Jeff Baker style, you know, pulling back some and letting them flourish. It's so rewarding. And that culture's chosen every day. The days that I mess up and say, I'm sorry. And the days that I step in and do the value-based decision, even though it was hard. And then there's some days where it's easy and you laugh and you tell jokes and all that's good too. Part of with growing up together, this would be, I think, just helpful for me to hear and unashamedly so proud of who you guys are and what you've done that for whatever small part we've played, how would you describe now like that journey of us together? Because if we start now with a team, it's like, okay, I'm going to coach the CEO. Then we coach their team. Then we measure their team. Then we do role definition. And then we facilitate for their employees. Like it's a whole organized plan. And you graciously, patiently endured, you know, oh, we need to build this next and we need to build this next. How would you describe it if somebody was like, why should we work with SightShift? You seem to have gotten a lot from that. What do they do for you? Just to hear it in your words. You know, I think, um, I mean, we were just meant to work together, Chris. I mean, the, the, the fact that we were able to benefit from each other's wisdom and in the direction, you know, when we, we talked about how do we duplicate Chris McAllister, right? How do we scale you? And then we think, I, I flip it, you know, on Noble. How do we, how can we create a culture that allows us to communicate effectively, truthfully? What kind of content and message do we need? And one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting over years i mean we've been working together probably eight nine years yeah eight, eight years, years i think yeah somewhere yeah and you know in that eight years it looked different every year but for the most part there was several one-on-ones you participated in our two annual meetings a year with a january and a july a kickoff for the year and then a mid-year check and and you were participating in all those and what was what I thought was really good is that you always brought the content that was relevant to us in that season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to that point, when we do our surveys from our company meetings, you always got the highest rating of content, you know, the whole week we had our company meetings, which kind of validated that, you know, we were bringing in the right team to help us grow and help us break down those barriers. But I have to admit, it did create a little competitive nature in me. So, you know, I had to get a higher rating than you. So I was really intentional about a year and a half ago diving in, and and I did get it. But I think the reality is, you've you've can you've helped us facilitate growth um, through, you know, not just site shift. Um, not figure that shift out, you know, it's, it's just been layers, year over year layers, like this beautiful, all these beautiful layers, the rings in a tree that has been foundational for us. Um, and now to, to, to look at as we elevate our game and, you know, looking at the more the workforce optimization, you know, 
there's there's so much we're learning about ourselves um, through that whole process to see, you know, this isn't anything that you were thinking about eight years ago. Yeah. You know, workforce optimization wasn't yeah. even on the on the radar, right? So it's just it's been great to see you evolve. And there's been this this we've evolved together and have grown together. And it, it continues. You continue to get deeper into what really, really matters and um in leadership development and assessing the team and how do we you know, how do we get everybody going in the same direction and and layering in on how do you get the strengths and weaknesses to coincide and um, the quadrants and the growth multiplier index. When I saw that for the first time, we answered a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, I thought we were great at innovation, but we weren't really great at taking that idea and reducing it to practice and making commercial products out of it. And we did good enough to, to grow, and um, but it was definitely one of our weaknesses. And then we do our GMI, and here we, you know, that's a skill set that less than 3% of our employee base has. So we had this one quadrant that was pretty empty in helping us facilitate that idea to a commercial product. So there's just, we continue to learn and grow from the things and services that you bring. And hopefully we're continuing to, to help you grow and challenge you. Heck yeah. We were honored to be your first online site shift academy um, to launch all the online stuff with our our noble team. So that was uh, that was a blessing for us. Dude, get out of here. It'll always be a part of the story. I mean, what's wild to me is I couldn't have planned it, right? You know, I'm starting to think about, man, we need a measurement tool that measures identity fear and shows this bigger picture. And a CEO that I had coached, still coaching, um, reached out and was like, I want to get all my employees measured. The problem is at the time he had 2,000. And he was like, how do we measure them? And I'm like, I've been wanting to build it. He's like, I'll help you build it. I was like, that's amazing. you know. And it's this flow of like, you can't force these things. You can't miss the opportunity, but you can't force it. You got to find those through lines where things are developing. And that's been such a big part of our relationship. And so what was so encouraging for me is we get it out in the wild. And now we call it, by the way, you'll appreciate this, the growth culture map, right? We're refining messaging and locking in the names and it shows the identity fear and the growth multiplier piece. But you're an intuitive leader. You saw how this tool can show you these things. But all that to say, you and I hadn't even spoke for a while. I just saw orders coming through. And I was like, man, Noble's got a lot coming through. And I forget who I heard it from now, but somebody was like, yeah, Jeff said, we're not hiring anybody until we measure them, which was exactly what we were trying to get in place so that now what we were doing with you guys, you know, step-by-step beside, we could do right from the beginning. So that just, that means the world. As you dream about and think about what's next, for those leaders that might be in that place. And hey, after I hit stop, we can talk about that some more because you know that lights me up. What would you say to people that are in that spot that are kind of considering what's next as far as expanding their leadership capacities? What's an idea or reality that's giving you comfort or provoking thoughts? I think, I mean, first you gotta, you just gotta know where you're at, right? As an individual leader. And once you know that, and I think, you just have to, you really have to be open to other activities and other methodologies that'll help create 
a situation where your team can succeed. Um, and what I mean by that, like for, for us, you know, I feel like we have all the, we're not perfect, but, you know, we're offering all the resources and we talk about the resources. We encourage people to take the resources and um, use this content. But every one of our team members, they live in a whirlwind as well, right? So we have to recognize that everybody's priorities might be a little bit different. And as the leader, we can't necessarily, it's not necessarily healthy to force your priority on others. I think you have to encourage that. You have, you have to, if, if you're not seeing that energy from your team, then you may not have the right mission, vision, and core values, or you might not be living them out. Something's missing. Mm -hmm. Because really when people, when people want to be part of something, they typically are active and they're engaged in it. So, you know, I think you got to, you got to understand where you're at as an individual, I think, and being, keeping it real. We, we live in this, this world where um, false realities are very much welcome. They're safe. They're easy. You know, don't know how sustainable they're going to be, um, but there's so much of that. And I think that's where a lot of leaders miss the mark too. And quite frankly, a lot of leaders probably miss the mark on keeping it real with themselves and their own identity. And it really starts with yourself. Once you understand where you're at and you're willing to share your vulnerabilities with your team and the people that you work with, that's really where it starts. And then you build from there. And I think for us, you know, that was eight years ago when we had a platform that allows us allowed us to really understand with common terms where we were individually as a team. And we mm -hmm. shared those individuals individual assessments um, with our team and that allowed us to go through that vulnerability and people get comfortable um, people even get comfortable calling people out when their view was not realistic you know because mm -hmm. it has to be i think that the reality of the situation needs to be um, needs to be true mm -hmm. to the situation otherwise you're gonna put a lot of energy and a lot of effort into something that's off basis already. You're not starting from the right point, right? So, and once you grow from there, we've just, for us, it was a natural evolution. When you see something work, common sense says, you know, maybe we should continue to try and apply that in more um, other ways. And, you know, we do that and we continue to learn from that. Beautiful. You can't make it work unless you know where you're starting from, what's real. Yeah. And I think that like, and you keep it real, that like is a is a phrase I've heard you use many times, and it's not cliche platitude. This is what you're aiming for because you know there's no advancement without reality. So mm -hmm. thanks for bringing the reality of who you are, where you're at, what you're seeking to do next. It meant so much to have people be able to listen in and be inspired by your story, Jeff. What a privilege to have you here today. Thanks. Uh, Chris, I've been honored. It's, uh, it's been a blessing and I appreciate the chance to, to share my story a little bit. And I'm so thankful that you've been in it. And Site Shift has been great for us. But more importantly, Chris McAllister, you've been uh, you've been a rock star for Noble, and we appreciate you being part of our family. Get out of here. Much love. Thanks, buddy. Peace. Thanks so much for being here. 
You know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach, you can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T shift.com to take the next step.